Many years ago, sometime in the late 1970s, I was exposed to the teachings of A Course in Miracles. And I'm by no means an expert or a teacher of A Course in Miracles, but one of the foundational thoughts I learned from it at that time was, everything has the meaning I give it. Everything has the meaning I give it. This is not an idea that gets sufficient reinforcement in our day-to-day world, I don't think, where most of us think that we don't really have power over our thoughts. It's just the way it is, we think. How can everything have the meaning I give it? I can't just believe something. Can I? Can we? It's my experience that we really do just believe things all the time. And those beliefs seem really, really, really true until, well, until those beliefs change, until our thoughts evolve or shift, or until we learn another thought that supplants the previous one. And that's just as it should be, I think. If you have ever believed one thing and then changed that belief or thought one thing and then stopped thinking that thought, then you're like me. You're like all of us because we're just making the whole thing up all the time. Best news ever. Hello, VegHeads and Veg Your Besties. Welcome to Veg Your Best, the plant-based podcast. My name's Michelle Olander. I'm a certified life coach, a practicing vegan, and I'm here every single week to encourage you to eat more plants and set an impossible goal, whatever that is for you. So we're on Veg Your Best, episode 35. We're making this all up. You know, I've been doing quite a lot of spring cleaning in the last couple of weeks, taxes too, looking for paperwork, cleaning out drawers and files. My three adult kids have been moving and staging things at our house and packing, and honestly, all three of them are moving house from one place to another like musical chairs this month. We also have a house that we rent out to tenants that needed to be cleaned up and organized. And so there has been an awful lot of stuff to look at. Lots and lots of stuff. And I was thinking that behind every single piece of stuff, there was really a series of thoughts, in some cases, dozens and dozens of thoughts behind how it ever came into my surroundings. Somebody had to be thinking things like, oh, I need this, or I should order it, or I want to see if there's a better price for this one or that one, or wow, this is useful, or this is not so awesome, or I remember my mom gave me this, or I love this thing, or I really don't understand why it's here, 
And now a lot of those things are eliciting different thoughts and questions from me like, what even is it? Where does it go? Is it broken? I wonder if we need it anymore. There are too many of them, I think. They don't work like I thought they would. I wonder if they're recyclable. Maybe it's worth taking the time to try and sell them on Craigslist. Lots of thoughts before they came into my life, and lots of thoughts now that I'm wondering if they belong still in my life. The items, well, they're just the same items. So today I just wanted to quickly record kind of a coda to our series on thoughts that we have been doing here at the Veg Your Best podcast, because the episodes about thoughts have provoked quite a few great conversations. Part of us just doesn't believe that we are in charge of our thoughts. But if you have ever believed one thing and then changed that belief or thought one thing and then stopped thinking that thought, maybe about an ex or a car or a pair of glittery platform shoes, or a hairstyle, or a loan for a university degree, or a job, or a diet. Well, if you've ever changed your mind about anything, it's an indication that thoughts are changeable. The job was just the job. The high-protein diet advice, just advice. The glittery platform shoes and the hairstyle, Well, they just were, but we changed our thoughts about them. We have a thought or a belief, so many thoughts and beliefs, like this is definitely the one. Organic food is overpriced. My father wouldn't tell me a lie. What other other thoughts are coming to mind? Lobsters just fall asleep in hot water. Owning a home is better than renting. I need more protein to be healthy. Medicines make us weaker. Private schools are superior. No, public schools are superior. Everyone should vote. You should only vote if you're educated on the issues. It's normal to eat cows. It's bizarre to eat the stomach linings of a cow. Ten minutes early is five minutes late. You should finish the food on your plate. My partner loves me unconditionally. Using high-octane gas in my car is necessary. Paintings on black velvet are tacky. Lawns need to be mowed every single week. Lots of thoughts. It would be almost impossible to function as human beings without a lot of these default thoughts underpinning our day-to-day behaviors. And I'll tell you, for me, I've had an awful lot of thoughts over the past 62 years, a lot. And I have changed a lot of those thoughts, too. It's like that old joke. When I was single, I had no children, but I had three important beliefs about successful child rearing. Now I have three kids and no idea whatsoever about successful child rearing. And that's because we are all just making it up all the time. Sometimes I think we have an awful lot of judgment about people who used to believe one way, 
used to believe one thing, and now they believe a different thing. Somewhere in our culture, we have a standard that admires someone who has been completely unwavering or steadfast in their beliefs. And that could be awesome, I guess, that you never changed your mind about something. I'm not really sure that's the goal, though. Is the goal not changing your mind ever? Or could the goal be noticing that you always get to choose the thought? You always get to assign meaning to everything. So here's a weird personal example. For many years, decades, I had the thought that tattoos were a red flag, a real warning sign. Because in my early life, I only knew one man with a tattoo, my Uncle Billy, who had not graduated from high school, joined the U.S. Navy in World War II, and never seemed either very friendly or to have a real job. Throughout high school and then college, I don't remember personally knowing anyone else who had a tattoo. I did, however, have an experience in Poland during the 1970s of running into some men who had been in Soviet prisons who had extremely elaborate tattoos. Around that time, I began to see here and there more and more evidence of tattoos and incarceration and gang affiliations. And so for many, many years, my thoughts about tattoos were that they indicated someone who, well, someone who was not only not much like me or my community, but further that they indicated a level of potential danger or threat to me. And that's an example of an heuristic, heuristic, a fancy word for a thought shortcut. We'll talk more about heuristics in the future because they are super fascinating. But to stay on my topic and how it might look through my eyes once upon a time, imagine my scenario of man wearing parking lot attendant uniform walking towards me in a parking lot. And I think, oh, I wonder what he wants to tell me. Or man covered in tattoos walking towards me in the parking lot. I might think, hmm, I may be in some physical danger. And it doesn't matter that I might have had a lot of evidence over the past decades to think those things, to justify those thoughts. They are still just thoughts. So, of course, now, if I were to panic every time I ran into someone with a number of visible tattoos, well, these days I would spend a lot of time in fear because tattoos are extremely mainstream now. And have I completely changed my thoughts about tattoos? I'm not sure I can say that exactly. Do I sometimes find myself jumping to a conclusion about a person with tattoos? Yes, I think that still happens because I spent a lot of years reinforcing a thought that they are a red flag. This is just an example for me of how I can sometimes actually recognize that my thoughts are just thoughts. I had different thoughts about tattoos in the 1970s than I do now. 
On the other hand, sometimes thoughts get by me. And when they do get by me, the clue is that I think, ah, that's not a thought. It's just true. It works like that everywhere. I know that people have thoughts about me based on my appearance or my actions, what I drive, where I live, my work, how I speak, how I dress, that I don't have any tattoos, where I went to school, how I raised my children, my marital status. And of course, people have thoughts about the fact that I choose not to consume animal products anymore. I'm a practicing vegan because over the years, my thoughts about what is normal, my thoughts about what is healthy, sustainable, and ethical to eat or use, well, those thoughts have changed. Ten plus years ago, my thoughts were definitely not the same as they are today. And I know that some people think, because of that, that I'm a Johnny-come-lately to veganism or Yeah, sure, Michelle, now that it's convenient. And I also know that some people think that my current thought, that I want to avoid, wherever possible, consuming animal products, well, that it's plain old weird, or extreme, or restrictive, or an example of overprivilege, or an eating disorder, or dangerous, or that I'm condemning others, judging them. Or that I don't understand that God gave mankind dominion over the animals? Or that it's insensitive to cultures and traditions that center around animal agriculture or hunting or sacrifice? Yeah, these are their thoughts. And truth be told, I shared at least a couple of those thoughts in the years before I stopped consuming animals. We have thoughts, tens of thousands of them every day. We're human. One of the great hallmarks of being a human is that we have thoughts. And we need thoughts to efficiently get things done. We can't really be expected to completely rethink every single thing we do every time we do it. No, we need some shortcuts. That's why we have that automatic response to so many things. But when I coach my clients, we spend a lot of time trying to notice those automatic thoughts. And full disclosure, you get to keep any thoughts you decide that you want. But if your goal is to limit animal products and you think it means you can't have fun with your friends or travel anymore, I'm going to remind you that that is not objectively true. It's a thought. And if you think you have to go vegan overnight, otherwise you're a hypocrite, I'm going to be there to remind you that that is not objectively true. It's a thought. And there are no thought police. There is no international vegan and vegetarian governmental enforcement body. We are all just making this up. Best news ever. Because when you realize that wherever you find yourself struggling or miserable or beating yourself up and judging yourself harshly, wherever you realize that's going on, that's when you know you've got a thought or a rule or a belief that you've made up or that you've inherited or that you've been practicing unconsciously for years 
and it's not serving you. We've talked about this. I thought I could never be a practicing vegan until I stopped practicing that thought. Instead, I started practicing the thought, well, I guess I could be vegan some of the time. I guess I could learn how to be more vegan. Maybe I could be vegan most of the time now. Maybe I could move towards veganism. I could decide that limiting and eliminating animal products was an important enough goal that I could allow myself to be new at it, to be inefficient at it, to be confused at it, even to be bad at it. That's why we call it Veg Your Best. Just veg your best. Just move your best. Love your best. Learn your best. Work your best. Wherever you find yourself stuck or hopeless or in disbelief, you'll find that a thought that is not serving you is there. A thought that is always optional. You can always keep any thought you want to, but don't pretend that it's not a thought. If you would like help working on your next goal, I would love to be your coach. This is the most fun ever, really, living your life. That's why I do this. It's why I'm a coach now, because we only get this one chance here together. And I've lived without coaching, and I have lived with coaching. And coaching's been the cherry on top of my vegan parfait of a life. So if you want to discuss how coaching can support your goals, email me at info at michelleolandercoaching.com. The links are in the show notes, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at VegYourBest. And if you're listening in May of 2021 and you sign up for an eight-week package meeting on Tuesdays or on Thursdays, I have some sections that I am going to offer a money-back guarantee. A money-back guarantee. If you're not fully delighted after our eight sessions together, I'll give you your money back because I believe in coaching. I believe in me. And I 100% believe in what's possible for you if you want to do this work. Listen, you're making it all up anyway. So how about it? How about you make up a life that you're excited about? Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.